Yes. I believe that. That when we get over there where the, where the father is, everybody's going to be happy. There'll be nothing to be sad about. You know, and this old life here, life throws us a curveball every day. Something to challenge us, something to break our spirits. And when we look around at all that's happening in our government and in our communities, one country against another, and just all of the things that are going on that are affecting us in adverse ways, it makes you long for a place where there will be happiness. Just happiness. Everybody's happy. Lord, I tell you, when we leave this world, we'll be ready for that place. Because the world certainly doesn't provide for us that happiness. So we find it as Christians in ourselves and in our relationship with Jesus. No one else can make you happy. You have to create your own happiness. Let nobody take your joy. Because they'll take it if you let them. And then don't blame them because you let them take your joy. So we're about learning how to live better for the Lord every day of our lives. And, and if we're not doing that, then we're standing still. And we're settling for. You know what it means to settle for, right? You didn't get what you really wanted, so you settle for something else. And whatever that is, eventually it wears off. Because you're only settled for rather than getting what you really need. I'm so grateful that the Lord has allowed us to be here again today. And grateful to see springtime coming. Grateful that we have warmer temperatures. But of course, coming right on the hill of freezing temperatures, the flu and the viruses that are out there can get us much easier during this kind of weather. So we want to encourage you to take care of yourself, to be conscious of those around you, to be conscious of your cough. Don't just cough. <laughs> Cover your mouth. And uh, that's just good hygiene. We have to be careful about coughing in our hands and then shaking other folk's hands. You have to be careful about that because that's the way this stuff travels and spreads around us, and then we have people who can't make it out because they're sick. Uh, we normally tell you, if you're sick, stay at the house, you know, and just be sick there. Don't spread it. Go home and take care of it. Today, uh, I, I thought that it would be good to revisit a topic that we visited before, and it has to do with Romans chapter 7, where we get a picture of ourselves through Paul's life. And as Brother uh, Sewell read this morning, I, I kind of felt sorry for him at one point there because I know that Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 21 is a difficult passage for people to read and to keep it going and to understand what's happening. So you're not by yourself, Brother Sewell. And I thought that we would uh, try reading that again this morning in the international version the NIV, 
which makes it a bit plainer for us to understand. I, I want you to know that really Paul's experience is our experience in Romans chapter 7. And I don't want you to feel alone when you have difficulties during the day trying to keep up with the intentions you had when you left the house as opposed to what's happening with you now that you're out in the real world. So I want to talk about intentions and reality. You know, it's a good thing to have intentions, but intentions in and of themselves are no good. Intentions alone talk about what you want to do as opposed to what you actually do. And I'm glad to say this morning that we are not in this alone. You know, Christianity is on-the-job training. We don't learn how to live the Christian life the moment we become Christians. We have to live in the church a while, study the Word a while. We have to live around people for a while. We have to get used to dealing with the devil in a different way than we ever have before. Because before we accepted Christ, the devil was our buddy. Now, he's our enemy. And we have to get used to that, that he's coming at us in different ways. So I want to use this passage this morning just to remind us again not to beat up on ourselves when our intentions don't become our actions. Now, I want you to just read that again for us this morning. Verse 14 of Romans chapter 17, and this I think is a bit clearer. Beginning with verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Read that again. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Can you fathom that? If I want to do what's good, evil is right there with me. Mm -hmm. The topic sentence of today's lesson really is 
Our progress in Christian living is based on the desire to be better. So every day the Lord gives us, we ought to have the desire and the intent of wanting to be better today than we were on yesterday. That yesterday provided us with some insight further into our dealings in this world and in the church, and we come away from it always wanting to be better the next day. Do you wake up with that kind of attitude in the mornings when you get up? Lord, help me to be better today than I was yesterday. Or help me to be the same person today that I was yesterday. Is that where you want to be? We always want to learn from the day before and use something that we've learned to be better as we live as Christians in this world. Now, the scriptural text today speaks to the Apostle Paul's and our struggle to survive the war raging within us. Raging within us, and it's every one of us. If you don't have a war raging in you, then there are not two opposing forces trying to get your attention. There's only one and you've already given into it, whatever it is. But the war suggests that you have enemies who are battling in your mind. And we know that's the case. We have the spirit of God on one side. We have the spirit of the devil on the other. And that makes for a formidable battle in our minds. Here's the thing. Raging wars within us is a sign that intentions and reality are at odds. In the context of this lesson, I want to encourage you today to choose or to close the gap. And we all have a gap. That's why there's a war. I want to encourage you to close the gap between our intentions and our actions. In this passage, Paul admits that his weakness is the inability to turn good intentions into good actions. Paul says, when I really want to do good, I just can't find a way to do it. I don't know how to carry it out. Even though my intentions are good, I just don't know how to carry those intentions out so that my intentions turn into good actions. So, Paul's story is our story today. When we read this passage, we can see ourselves in it. A reflection of what's happening in our lives on a daily basis is reflected in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 21. So, here in this chapter, I want you to understand what intentions are. The intentions are visible or obvious when Paul says what I would do. That speaks of an intention because what I would is defined as our intentions are defined as that which I approve and that which is my prevailing and established desire. And then on the other hand, what I hate is what he disapproves of what is contrary to his very judgment and his, his prevailing inclinations, so he's having a war. 
somewhere between our intentions and our actions, there's a war being waged. And the moment you speak your desire, the war begins. Say that again. Check it out with yourself. The moment you speak your desire, your intention, if it is good, the war begins. If you say, uh, I, I, I want to be a better person today than I was yesterday, the devil immediately chimes in and says, why? You haven't experienced that? Anything you want to do better today than you did yesterday, the devil is right there to say, what for? You good just like you are. Everything's good. Don't put this pressure on yourself to keep trying to be better and better and better. That's the devil. And then the war wages. I guarantee you when you got up to come to church this morning, the devil threw you a curveball. He may have said, look out the window. Oh, I know what he says because he says it to me. Look out the window. It's raining out there. It's just starting to rain too. And it seems like when it rains, we get sleepier than we do at any other time. So the devil knows what to bring to us. How you feeling? You feel any aches coming on? Do you really feel as good as you want to feel to go to service today? And you know while you're sitting there entertaining that, you may think of it as daydreaming. But you're sitting there entertaining that and the time is steadily ticking by. And the devil looking at the clock just like you looking at the clock. That's why he's keeping you involved in conversation about why you ought to go in the first place. Then when you finally raise up and say, I'm going no matter what you say, devil, then you're 20 minutes late. Some people will use that to say, well, if I can't get there on time, I don't want to go. That's the deviousness of the devil. And it comes every time we decide that we want to do something that's right. Intentions are but shadows of good things to come if they are good things that you intend. Now, the, the question is, how much importance do we want to assign to our intentions? Now, let me explain that a little further. I ask this because many seem to live life as if only our intentions are important. I want to ask you about yourself in this regard. When you come up with an intention to do what's good, do you get lost in the good feeling of having a good intention so much so that you think that's enough? Simply because you intended to do good, now you feel like you have done good. No, don't get an intention confused with an action. An intention is something you decide up here that you want to start doing that may be different from what you did before. 
Okay? So some people stop short. They get their gratification just from saying, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. <laughs> they make no move to do it. They stop with, I just want to be better. And then they start acting like they are better because they said they want to be better. Well, there's a process involved here. When we become satisfied with simply having intentions, we'll probably not carry through with them. If you can be satisfied simply by wanting to do better, then you need to remind yourself that you haven't done better yet. You just want to do better. <laughs> intentions are designed to set our minds on a certain course which in turn will result in action consistent with our intentions. Intentions are not a bad place to start, but they are a bad place to stay. Intentions are not a bad place to start, they're just a terrible place to end. Why? Because intentions don't go very far in obtaining what we intend to accomplish as Christians. It's the devil's intention to keep us in intention mode. Don't act on the intention, just stay in intention mode. That's a place where we don't do anything but daydream about what we want to be or do. You ever get that way? You think about what it would be like to be a better person than you are now, and you know the individual areas. We don't have to outline them, but it's not unusual for us to sit down and say, and we do this at the beginning of every year. Maybe this is why our New Year's resolutions don't last. Because time the New Year comes in, we start talking about what we want to do differently this year and what we, when we're going to start and, 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 and how long we're going to do it and I got a deadline set for myself and all that stuff just sounds so good. But if you satisfy with that, your life won't change one iota. And soon after we make that resolution, we've forgotten that we made it. Well, that's where the devil wants us to stay. Now, I want you to understand this as well. Jesus is not impressed with what we want to do. Jesus is not impressed with who we want to be. What impresses Jesus is our move in that direction. So when I have the intention, then I need to move on making that intention a realistic action. Someone has said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Lord, I had the intention of. Lord, I wanted to do this. Lord, I wanted to do that. And if this is true, then there are those traveling the broad path and others who may be traveling the narrow straight path, but they're traveling on a flat tire spiritually. What good are intentions by themselves? What good are intentions by themselves? Some people live in relationships where they say, you know, I want to love you so bad. And it begins and ends right there. I truly want to be a better husband or a better wife to you. And it ends 
right there. We think that because we've spoken it, it's realistic. It has that, well, I told you I wanted to love you. Yeah, but you haven't found out how to do it yet. And without doing it, the intentions don't mean a thing. The tendency we have is that the devil will confuse us by our intentions into thinking that we are actually what we intend to be rather than who we are. You and I can be confused by our intentions to be better by thinking that we're already there simply because we want to be. That doesn't make it happen. Oh, if it was that simple, we wouldn't have a, way war, a war waging within us. A bad person with good intentions is no better off than a good person with bad intentions in that they both end up doing what they didn't intend to do. Paul says, I can't seem to get away from that fleshly part of me. And he says, I know the things that I ought not do, but for some reason, I can't stop doing them. He says, therefore, when I do them, it is no longer I that do them, but sin that's living in me. Sin that's living in me. Living life purposely in line with our intentions is what defines us. You have people in your life, I'm sure as I do, in my circle of acquaintances and friends, who whenever they say something to you about what they're going to do, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Sometimes with two grains of salt. So-and-so told me he was going to do this, but child, I ain't going to hold my breath until he does. You know why that is? Because so-and-so been telling you that for a long time and still hasn't done it yet. I'm going to help you out. Don't take that to the bank. I'm going to come by and see you. Can't take that to the bank. I'm going to help you out in any way that I can. Don't stick a tack in that. Because we've learned not to trust them. Because they say pretty words, but actions don't follow. It. But, you know, no credit is granted based simply on having good intentions. But rather, actions that are based on good intentions. Hmm. Just as faith is demonstrated through actions, so are our intentions. And bad intentions rarely yield good outcomes. The way to perfection, and I'm almost where I need to be, the way to perfection in this life as a Christian, is in our intentions to do what is obedient to God. Even though we realize we won't always be successful in achieving it. Our intentions make a difference. It makes a difference that we get up in the morning saying, Lord, I want to be better today. I want to do more today. It starts with that. 
But if those intentions remain right there, then it does nobody any good. It's truly a balancing act in the war that's being waged in our lives every day. It's a balancing act trying to understand the roles of intentions and reality in our everyday lives. We have to be delivered, as it were, from this battle that is waging in us by allowing the guidance of the Holy Spirit to influence our intentions. That is, we only desire to do things that please God. That may be a stretch for some people. You have to get in the habit of thinking godly thoughts. We have to get in the habit of being around people who are healthy for us. And I guarantee you all of us have been through situations where we have hung just a little too long with people who are not good for us. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, bad morals corrupt, our bad company corrupts good morals. So that's something to be said even about the company we keep in terms of the intentions we get up with every day. Have you ever awakened and your intentions were just off the radar? I'm talking about bad. You're going to do something bad today if the Lord gives you the breath to do it. That's your intention. Paul said, when I have that kind of intention, for some reason I can't stop it. I tend to go on and do what I want to do. He says, it's when I have the intention to do good that I can't find a way to do it. Isn't that strange? What our flesh wants, it's almost like we can't prohibit it. That's what my body is calling for. Whether it's sweets, it may be something as simple as a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing you have no business with it. But your flesh. You know, since I found out I'm type 2, it seems like my yearning for sweets went up. At first, I said, I'm going to cut this out. That was my intention. I'm going to leave these sodas alone. I'm going to leave ice cream alone. I'm not going to eat any more cookies or sweets. And that lasted about two weeks. Because that was my intention. I hadn't turned it really into a hard action yet, except for that two weeks. And that's when I was getting over the fact that I was type 2 because I've always eaten what I wanted to eat. Had no problem, but when the, dad, when the doctor told me I was type two, I said, well, what that mean? He said, you gotta stop eating a lot of stuff you've been eating. And when he told me I had to leave them Pepsis alone, I said, okay. I said, okay. But let me tell you what happened along the way. As I started leaving things alone and my blood sugar was at a reasonable rate. See, reasonable, still high, but reasonable. Then the need to leave all that stuff alone became less and less. I started saying to myself, well, maybe I can have a Pepsi every now and then. 
And you know what? Every now and then has a way of turning into every other day. And every other day has a way of turning into every day. I'm just going to have one every day. And you know, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not careful, you can, you can, you can die because you no longer take what needs to be taken seriously, seriously. And, and that's what I'm talking about today. To start out with an intention that's designed to do me good and to get to a place where when I pass a piece of cake, I said, I got to have it. I'm not going to eat the whole thing. It's not my intention to eat the whole thing in one sitting. And I eat two or three spoonfuls here and then come back later and eat two or three spoonfuls. It doesn't make any difference whether you eat it all at one time or a spoon every now and then. You still eat the whole piece. So the effects are the same. Now I hope you can take from that what we deal with spiritually. Because it's the same thing as Paul says, when I want to carry through with doing what's in my good intentions, I just can't find a way to do it. That's like saying, I don't know how to do it. How many of you are dealing with that this morning? Something you're dealing with and you want to stop doing it, but you just don't know how to do it. You want to do better. You're doing better in some areas, but you just can't sustain it. Some of the best things in life were never intended. Some of the things that we have right now, never intended. Salvation of your soul may not have been your intention. But aren't you happy with the outcome? To say I'm intent on being saved and yet not follow through with that intention is to be satisfied with intentions alone which won't save us. So let me end by suggesting this. How do we turn good intentions into good actions? Once we've decided what we want to do, how do we make it happen? How do we make the good that we want to do happen? Well, there's got to be a starting place. And that starting place is we must really want to change. Change is not going to jump on us, folks. And because you've stated an intention doesn't make change jump on you. As a matter of fact, when you state it, that's when it becomes difficult. We must first want to change. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And he goes on in talking about us being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Have you been transformed since your mind has changed about Jesus? Let me, the other side of that question in another form is this. Have you really changed since you met Jesus? Or were you baptized and basically remained the same person? Now that's a question only you and the Lord can answer. But I suspect 
that there are people, I got that sneaky suspicion, that there are some people who really haven't changed since they met Jesus. They were about no good when they met him, and they still about no good since they've met him. They weren't committed to much of anything before they met him, and they still not committed to much of anything since they've met him. They didn't study the word before they met him, and they don't study the word after they've met him. They didn't love folk before they met him, and they still don't love folk after they've met him. So at some point, we have to look in the mirror and admit to ourselves that, you know, I call myself a Christian, but I'm really not doing Christian kinds of things. I'm not thinking Christian kinds of thoughts. I'm still having those same thoughts that were plaguing me before I met Jesus. And you know what? That's because Jesus won't take your thoughts out your head. You're going to still have to deal with those thoughts, good or bad. But at some point, you've got to make a decision about whether you can continue thinking that way. Now, somebody said you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> and that simply means this. You have no control over your thoughts. It makes no, not all the time. It makes no difference that you're a Christian and you want to do good. Every now and then in the course of a day, don't you have thoughts that are just plain out sinful? Mm -hmm. When you get quiet like that, I know what the deal is. And that's because we all go there. We all go there. You can't stop that from happening. You'll see something that reminds you of something. You'll see somebody that reminds you of somebody. You'll hear a song that reminds you of something you did wrong while that song was playing. You, you don't have to say amen. I understand. I know. Because we're human. And you know what? We're more alike than we are dissimilar. So I'm not just talking to you about what goes through my head. If you didn't think preachers thought dirty thoughts, you got another thought coming. Because I haven't always been who I am now. But thoughts come, but when they come, the question is, what do I do with them? Do I sit there and, and, and entertain them? Because that's when you're on the road to doing it again. When you like what you're thinking and you just sit there and let it marinate. You can't tear yourself away from it. Well, the person who really wants to do well, when that happens, they do what they can to flush that out of their minds. It may take quoting a passage of scripture. It may take getting out of the company of somebody whose company is not good for you. It may take changing your location. It may take changing who you hang out with. But it can be done.
We must put in the work required to change. We must avoid those things that entice us to not follow through with our intentions. We must stop doing the wrong things until we stop seeking out the wrong. We won't stop doing the wrong things until we seek, stop seeking out the wrong things. If you want to stop drinking, why you keep going the route that takes you by the liquor store? You know, one of the first things you need to do if you want to stop drinking is to choose a route that's not going to take you by the state store that's your second home. Doesn't that make sense? But we, we, the devil gets us to say, well, if you really want to prove that you ain't going to do it no more, then you can, you can go up there and park in front of the state store. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. And the devil will sell us that kind of bag of goods all the time. If your environment doesn't change, you'll get more of the same. Whatever you've been getting is what you'll continue getting. Regardless of your intentions. Because they're not going to become reality for you. I want to leave that with you this morning. That's what Paul is really saying. And if you want to know, Paul, even as an apostle, admitted this. He says, I don't know what to do. But you know what? At some point, he found out what to do. Because the kind of man he became indicates that he found out what he needed to do. And it's right there in Romans chapter 12. He said, I had to transform my mind so that my actions would follow. So it all starts right here. If you have a half dirty mind and a half clean mind, then you have a 50% chance of doing right during the day or doing wrong. The more your mind is attuned to things that are heavenly and not on things on the earth, according to Colossians 3, things will change in your life. But look, don't expect the Holy Spirit to make you do what you intend to do. That's your job. That's my job. And it's nobody's fault when that happens but ours. Don't go pointing the finger. I would have done better if so-and-so hadn't come around. Well, it's not so-and-so's job. It's all in my mind. And if we'll give God a good mind to work with, the Holy Spirit can get us to do things we never thought possible. I want to leave that with you this morning in hopes that we will close the gap between what we intend and who we are. If you're here this morning, let your faith kick in right now. Faith to believe that what I've delivered to you this morning is correct and biblical in the light of Romans 7, 14 through 21. Understand that whenever you want to do good, evil will be there to challenge you. Be repentant. When you hear a message like this and you feel like, well, I know some parts of that message were for me. And I know I haven't been doing what I need to do in order to stop thinking like that. Even though I keep getting with the wrong people, I'm still surprised that I keep getting the wrong results. And I just don't know what to do. Well, you may want to start by asking the prayers of the church. 
because the scriptures teach us that the prayers of the righteous avail much. So you may need to stop getting with certain folk, but you also need to pray that the Lord will instill in you a desire to do better, which may mean that you need to hang around people like you who are trying to do better. Repentance simply means I've learned and I'm glad I've learned and now I'm going to turn for what I've been doing that's been hurting me. That's all it means. Confess Christ as Lord in your life. There's a need to be baptized and be added to the body because until you are added to the body, your intentions make no difference. Whether good or bad, they make no difference. So I, I leave this with you this morning in hopes that you'll gain something that will help you even this week to help us to get to where we need to be and you to where you need to be. Let's come right now as we stand and sing.